Toby Flood, Fly Half, Newcastle Fox. A friend of mine's got game tapes when I first started playing Newcastle, so that would be 2005, 6, 6, 7, something like that. And the game is, it, it looks like a foreign entity. Ben Young's list of targets. I don't think we even filmed training, which you look back now and you think that's absolute criminal. How, how, how do you not improve? You know, you need to look what you're doing and where your work's going. Bros Moriarty, Gloss Rugby. No, there's no hiding place anymore. Definitely not with all the cameras and all the... Uh, all the numbers and GPS units, you can't get away with going into anything lightly. Top Ojo wing. If you're trying to study 20 clips on one person, you, you're probably going to get bored by the fourth or fifth clip. Hello and welcome to the Aviva podcast. My name is Ben Moss. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm very excited to say that I'm recording today at none other than the home of rugby at Twickenham. I'm actually pitch side right now. It's a glorious sight. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of empty green seats in front of me, blue skies overhead, sun beaming down onto an immaculate pitch as well. There is a sign that says, do not walk on the grass, so I'm not going to, but there is some astroturf around the edge and I'll just put my foot onto that as well. The reason I'm here, of course, is because Aviva sponsors the Aviva Premiership Rugby and today is Premiership Rugby launch day. Every club sends down their head coach and a player to speak to the media, speak to the sponsors and generally get the build-up started for the new season. So why did I come along? Well, I wanted to speak to those players about how technology is changing the face of rugby. Toby Flood, fly half, Newcastle Fogs. In your time, you've had, a, you've had a great career playing internationally, playing overseas, and, and your career is obviously continuing. Have you seen technology change the way the game is played? Yeah, absolutely. I think when I first started, it, uh, technology was in its infancy of how it was going to be used and what was going to be sort of decided by decisions by TMO and so on and so forth. I think when it first started out, I think I remember 2007, that's funny enough, Mark Quaters walking around today and that, that try that was disallowed through through video technology. Or, and I think that the crucial decisions are made on the back of that. Now we've got the ability to go to the, to the sort of match officials now for for sort of tackles or dangerous tackles. And I think it, it makes the game a safer, a safer game, but it also makes it a clearer game in terms of what you're able to get away with and what you're not. And I think the impact of it is probably, with all the television angles as well, it's probably made it a bit of a cleaner game. Uh, guys now know have, and have to stick by the law because it ultimately it's ruled and, and can be sort of seen back over replays or, or weeks later through sort of other match officials and sort of a bit of sight, through the sighting officers. So you've got the here and now of it, of sort of an immediate impact of it on the field, but also you, uh, you've got the, the lag time of maybe two or three weeks when that, that video technology can be used. That's interesting, actually. I've spoken to a lot of people, and you're the first one to actually bring up the kind of the video referee, the you know the, the TMO stuff. Is it is it welcomed by players having that amount of analysis on as a ball is going over the try line or as a tackle is made? Well, fundamentally, I think um, if you're on the the wrong side of the decision, then no, if I'm honest. But if it's the right decision and and, and you hold true to the laws, then yes. I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that. We play a game where it can be decided by an error, it can be decided by a pass, it can be decided by a poor decision by a referee or by a player. And if, if those, if those decision-making processes are held true by video and by technology, then ultimately it makes it for a, makes it for a fairer game. So for me, if you score a try in the last minute and you feel like you won the game and it's it looks like the action or the act of a foul play or the act of, of an error of four passes is inconsequential then ultimately you'll be annoyed by it but the reality of it is those two or three points you win or lose could have a huge impact towards the back end of the season especially with the guys sort of fighting for European rugby. 
And onto the technology that's used to kind of analyse the game, uh, GPS it, it has come up a lot. We see it in football, mm. we see it in rugby. Uh, how do you, you use it personally, that data that's collected about your performances? Yeah, so all the GPS stuff, all the replay analysis stuff, everything on coding on your on computer screens, I think it all gets fed into sort of a one system. And we've got technology now where we get sort of daily wellness reports on our phones so we can reply into how we're feeling, how we've woken, how we slept. That data is all collated alongside our, our sleep patterns, alongside our uh, running amounts, and, and all that information is fed back through via us, but also kept and held by the conditioners. So it gives us a really good awareness of where we are and what we're doing, and I think obviously it hopefully makes for a... And I wouldn't say an injury-free rugby player, but it makes for a, sorry, for a, a, a less injurable rugby player. Hopefully, if, if there's fatigue levels, if they slept poorly, and all those GPS meters as well. And I think you can see that in rugby when when meters starts to drop off, you can see the guys are fatigued. We train at hopefully train at a higher level than, than game day to try and give you that sort of advantage. And obviously, therefore, we know we're able to cope, cope with the meterage of, of the game. So all that information has certainly made it interesting. I think the fact is you've got to probably still have a bit of an intrinsic knowledge of what your body can do and what it can't do and, and, and facts and figures are great but ultimately they're probably not what you live and die for that must be so different from when you started out in rugby even when turning pro you mentioned you know mm. turning pro and playing your first few games and, and there was technology just to see whether the ball had crossed the try line mm. or not it must be night and day compared to when you started out yeah it is and almost in my, in my, in my career I started at Newcastle now I'm back at Newcastle and it's been nine years and that sort of that decade or nearly of change has, has made a massive difference in how we are perceived as, as players nutritionally based uh, awareness based of what you need to do especially with technology but also what happens in the conditioning side we get our meters for, for data reports for how many meters we run in game day how many meters we run during the week high intensity low intensity running and all that sort of stuff so all that's collated and it is very much as you say night and day because ultimately i think players now we've got much bigger awareness of what we're capable of because we've got that constant feedback um we've got bits and pieces in the gym gym wear kit which shows you what velocity you should be lifting the bar for, for training certain peak, peak parts of your conditioning so for instance you've got velocity training for strength you've got velocity training for speed and power and all that sort of stuff and you've got to try and get match the weight to the velocity of the bar and all that sort of stuff so it's completely it's a completely different game and I think ultimately you can see that on the field a friend of mine's got game tapes when I first started playing Newcastle so that would be 2000, 2005, 6, 6, 7 something like that those seasons and, and the game is it looks like a foreign entity. It's not the same. Uh, the way they're conditioned now, these players, the way they behave, uh, is 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 as you say, night and day from where we once were. You've played overseas. You've just come mm. back from playing in France. Is is it very similar over there, or are there very different practices when it comes to the use of analysis and the technology that they're using in training and in games? I think what we find, or I certainly found, is is English or Anglo-Saxons, as they like to call us, we're early adopters of technology and, and ways of trying to make the sort of marginal gains, to sort of use that cliché term. But the French are very late adopters in terms of what they do, so it takes them a while to feel that that, that piece of technology is worthwhile. So yes, they have GPS units and so on and so forth, but they don't necessarily use them the same way we would do. Yes, they've got bits and pieces of equipment, but they don't necessarily use them the way they should be. So all of that comes in together, whereas I'd say that's probably one of the big work-ons of French rugby and French sort of rugby has got the ability phenomenal but ultimately what lets itself down is the behind the scenes stuff they're not as advanced as we are now there is the argument in the France in France and which is which holds true that sometimes you don't want to overcomplicate matters you can sort of perceive and have an awareness of what guys can achieve just through actually watching them but ultimately as well that that sort of secular and tertiary information 
on the back of GPS data, wellness reminders, all that sort of stuff, has a huge impact on terms of how a player feels, but also gives the coaches and the uh, and the sort of conditions an awareness of where you are. So now you're back, you're going to have to get used to the monitoring you kind of day and night, once an hour you slept and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of those weird things, sort of filling out a form after training, filling out a form of pre-training as well, all, all electronically collated. And then on the back of that, just sort of being shot by it almost and sort of seeing how, how yeah, you can't hide in training sessions. They've got your meters per, per minute, meters per second, all that sort of stuff. So there's no sort of, there's no switching off when you're back in the UK. Ben Young's Leicester Tigers. We're here in the tunnel at Twickenham. I just wondered if we could talk about technology. Over the time you've been playing rugby, what kind of technology have you seen come in which has really changed the way you can play rugby or analyse rugby? There's a couple, I think. One is uh, the technology now done on computers in terms of uh, being able to preview games. So I can see the opposition, I can see exactly what they do. So I could click on um, uh, props, for instance, and I could click and, and watch all their missed tackles over the last five games and see when that is what positions that's like to be, who fatigues, what traits they have, and you can pick them all up. I mean, that, that's quite incredible that you can go into that much detail uh, for what, one thing. The other thing that technology is the GPS units we have now. GPS that they just sit on the back of, uh, back of your neck, little unit, and that's giving constant feedback to, uh, to the staff up in the stands, and, and they know when you're fatigued or when you're under stress. Uh, and that allows you to monitor training loads, but also uh, allow you to make sure that, um, you know, you, when, when it, when, margins are so small you can't afford someone to be fatigued out there and you can make the change at the right time so that those two bits of technology have been quite outstanding in terms of the development of the professionalism and that data is used in real time then absolutely yeah that that, that data is feeding back constantly um, who's analyzing all that then because there's a, you know there's a lot of rugby players, 15 players out there on each team yeah so there's basically a laptop open with a sports scientist uh staying in the laptop and as i say you know when guys have certain thresholds and they know that when they reach them that they are under serious duress now if they obviously don't recover quickly enough then you probably need to get that player off in place and that's why i think uh, certainly people have said to me before why'd you come off at you know 79 minutes you got a minute left to play well, why, why bother coming off i don't understand it and you think well actually because you're under that much fatigue that you know you could be the reason that you lose the game because you don't quite make that tackle you don't quite get there and um you know that feedback allows them to make those calls and is that in that's in club rugby? Is it similar in international rugby? Absolutely, yeah, on both both sides. So, um, yeah, I mean, this, you know, it's taking off, and you know, in the next year, two years, three years, all these things will, will continue to develop. Um, I think someone touched on earlier about drones and training, flying above you again, being able to give you a different view of the analysis. Uh, that's really key for us, me playing a scrum half and, and my fly half. You know, we, we tend to kick the ball a fair amount, try and get us in the right position. Well, with drone footage above, you can see all those spaces in the backfield and it allows you to work on those areas as well to see what you're looking at. And um, yeah, it's quite incredible, the, the transformation from when I first started to where it was already now. That's what I wanted to ask. I mean, when you when you first started, even probably I imagine when you first became professional, a lot of yeah. this stuff wasn't in place. So it's it's come on so quickly. It, it, what was it like? You know, I say back in the day, you're not that old, but you know, back when you first started playing, what was it like then trying to get all this kind of analysis? I know it's mad. I, I, mean, I remember the first few seasons. Um, I don't think we even filmed training, which you look back now and you think that's absolute criminal. How, how, how do you not improve? You know, you need to look what you're doing and where your work's going. But. Uh, you know, there's another example there. You know, we, we thought we were reinventing the wheel when, uh, when when training started to get filmed, and then we'd watch it back and all these bits. But um, I just think the more the games become professional, the more interest it has, the more people want to help and and make it uh, a professional environment. Um, so, you know, there'll be things that we haven't thought of that will certainly be coming in the next two, three years. I'm sure.
Is there anything that helps with recovery as well? Because recovery is a huge part when you're a rugby player who's been hit 15 times in you know 80 minutes. Yeah, there, there, there is. So um, recovery stuff sort of goes around in circles. Sort of you have your ice bath, you have a traditional your ice bath, your massage, your things like that. Obviously, you've got your recovery skins, which are, which are, which are good. Um, you have, um, I can't actually remember the name of them, but they're basically, you sit in them, they're like leg pumps, um, and they essentially give you a massage through pressure, which are interesting, a, a, a bit of equipment called a game ready, which is quite um, the unique uh, ice icing machine to help recovery and, and also help prevent injury, and also, uh, if you've got a swollen knee or whatever, bring down the swelling. So there's quite a few boys that obviously get hit a fair amount that are on them a fair amount uh, but um, again there's some examples with regards to recovery that that weren't perhaps there when when I first started. Can there be any disadvantages to having all this analysis at your fingertips? I was wondering don't get me wrong I know players do not want to go on the pitch and hide anywhere but in training I mean you cannot get away with anything anymore if you're being tracked constantly can you? Yeah no you can't and uh, but you, you've got to understand the, 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 the load and the tracking is there to, to make sure that you peak at the right time so you know if you're overloading on a Tuesday and a Thursday uh, the, the club's concern is that you're not then going to be able to produce what they need to do on a Saturday now everything comes down to what you do at the weekend and when you're actually playing in a competitive game so um, what those loads allow you to do is monitor and tailor back and you know sometimes the, the coach go hard other times they have to strip it right back because you know they've got the loads a little bit wrong on the Monday and got too excited that everyone has to be pulled back a little bit on Tuesday. Ross Moriarty, Gloucester Rugby. I'm here to talk to you today we're in the tunnel at Twickenham talking about how technology has changed rugby what have you seen in, in the time you've been in the game from when you were younger to where you are now? Uh, yeah obviously the the times of tape recordings when they uh, when they were available for players in the amateur days, moving into DVDs and now obviously people using drones to watch training and uh, putting their videos onto the computers. So it's changed a lot over the past 20, 30 years, and I think it's only going to get more advanced. And I'm looking forward to what, what else they have to bring out. I was quite amazed. I watched a video recently of drones being used in training. Have you experienced that? Yeah, we we use drones at Gloucester to um, analyse our training and. It just gives you a completely different view of everything and it, it's a view which no one else could get. Obviously, they have the cameras going over the top of the pitches in games, but I don't think uh, clubs get to use them, obviously, the way they would like them to. So having a drone and just looking down on exactly what you want to look at, I think it's, uh, it's a great, great idea. So thinking back to a few years ago, how would you have analysed patterns of play without that? Uh, well, we would have just had a camera on the side of the pitch or either end of the pitch looking straight down or... But having the view from above, you can obviously you can see a lot more, a lot more detail, and it helps. Uh, it helps a lot. And all your stats recorded now as well. You know, I know there's GPS trackers some people use and that kind of thing. It, do you use all that kind of um, tech? Yeah, the, the GPS units we use track how fast, how far, um, all all the impacts and stuff that we have during games and training. So they they're good uh, good to have. Uh, obviously, the, all the data we in the gym is recorded over the years it must mean this yeah. it must mean with all that all those numbers and stats on you you know you're a professional athlete so you, you don't want to hide anywhere but you, you can't get away with anything anymore can you no there's no hiding place anymore definitely not with all the cameras and all the uh, all the numbers and gps units you can't get away with going into anything lightly or you have to push yourself as hard as you can because they can see how hard you tried before and obviously if you're down on that score they'll be asking you questions do you think it's all about data or does instinct still play a part? Does a player still need his instincts? You can't yeah. know everything about every opponent. Yeah, a huge, huge part of being a rugby player is instinct. Obviously, we wouldn't be here now if it wasn't. So being able to analyse people is just a, 
it's a bigger advantage to players, I guess. But you know, everyone has to have the natural instinct, and that's why we play rugby is just to play off the cuff and see what see what happens. And I guess we, we've talked about how you use it within your own club, um, Gloucester. But what about analysing the opposition? It must be very useful for that. Yeah, it's great. Obviously, being able to watch people's games before you play them is always a huge advantage. Um, obviously, there's some things you wouldn't you wouldn't want other teams to see, but it's going to happen these days. But you know, you always got to come up with something new to keep keep the opposition on their toes, and obviously, vice versa. That's that's what's going to happen in uh, in the game. Any ideas? You mentioned at the start, actually, you're quite looking forward to seeing what comes over the next few years because technology has advanced so much. Any ideas what might be coming next? Have you, you, know, have you seen anything uh, you know, other teams are using, thinking, wow, that's quite impressive? Um, to answer, I, with, the, with the drone, I can't see how they're going to change things too much, but you know, I'm not a tech expert. And, uh, <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll surprise me with something. Topsy Ojo, wing. If you can think back to when you started playing rugby and maybe what your training sessions over the summer have been like, what kind of technology are you and the coaches using that you never, ever used to have? Uh, I think GPS, uh, heart rate monitoring, um, load management. I mean, it's a completely different level now to when I first started. I mean, there's so much data that obviously I don't see, but I know the coaches see and it just... They have everything they need to look after us to make sure you know we're running the right distances, the right speeds, um, you know our body load, heart is where it needs to be. So I mean, because like there's literally nothing that they don't know, and there's nowhere to hide in the sessions. So uh, I think it's great in terms of being able to look after your players, look after your squad, and make sure you're doing the right amount of work as well. And on the training pitch, um, I watched a video recently. I was quite surprised. But I mean, are you seeing the use of drones or iPads and that kind of thing as you, as you train? Yeah, iPads more than drones. We have tested drones before, but I mean, the, the iPads is definitely a new one as well, where everything is just there in real time. So within a minute of an incident happening, it's there. Uh, I know a lot of coaches now at halftime will come in and they'll have three or four things clipped, ready to go for the players. So to have that kind of hot feedback. In, in the moment it is invaluable and like I say it just goes to making sure making teams better making squads better as well because you know it means you're better prepared you've got more information are you, are you given lots of information about your opposition as well we are so I, I think uh, Opta code a lot for the league as well um, I know a lot of clubs work off the same system but there is an infinite amount of detail into your opposition be that you know their previous four or five games all people's individual actions are clipped as well so I mean the sky is actually the limit in terms of how much depth you could go to in terms of analyzing your opposition um, like I say the technology is there and a lot of clubs do use it because why wouldn't you I think you almost be foolish not to use any tool that's at your disposal probably only held back by the amount you can memorize and remember that as well I think if you're trying to study 20 clips on one person you, you're probably going to get bored by the fourth or fifth clip so um, I think the, that's the key that is balanced the information is there but it's picking what's relevant and using it and do you think where does, where's the balance between technology and analysis and, and all the information and pure instinct do you, you still must need that as a player absolutely because you know as much as you can do your analysis on the day and in the moment anything can happen and I think where the balance does come in is you need to be prepared for that and be able to adapt in the moment so whether that's instinctively you know through maybe you've witnessed a situation before those are the moments that you can't rely on technology you know, that, that's got to be coming from you. And what about in recovery I heard some things earlier about kind of ice almost I, I can't really describe it, ice clamps around your legs and things like that has that changed? 
Uh, it has. I mean, there's a ton of different theories, you know, like say from ice baths to using complex machines, um, compression garments as well. Uh, I think it's almost at the stage now where you find what works for you and you use it. It's up to you to get yourself ready for training, get yourself ready for games. Um, I've done and tried all of them. Uh, ice bars I'd probably shy away from because they're freezing, but yeah, you find what works for you because ultimately it's your body and you need to make sure, with, especially with, you know, with the way rugby is and the collisions and the contact, that you recover as best you can. Thank you very much for listening to the Aviva podcast. Great insight from the players. They're really, really interesting. Now, don't forget, if you did enjoy this podcast, then do give it a review on iTunes. Thank you.